Chapter One of Love Among the Artists by George Bernard Shaw. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter One. One fine afternoon during the Easter holidays, Kensington Gardens were in their freshest spring green, and the steps of the Albert Memorial dotted with country visitors who alternately conned their guide-books and stared up at the golden gentleman under the shrine trying to reconcile the reality with the description whilst their cockney friends indifferent to shrine and statue gazed idly at the fashionable drive below one group in particular was composed of an old gentleman intent upon the memorial a young lady intent upon her guide-book and a young gentleman intent upon the young lady she looked a woman of force and intelligence and her boldly curved nose and chin elastic step upright carriage resolute bearing and thick black hair secured at the base of the neck by a broad crimson ribbon made those whom her appearance pleased think her strikingly handsome the rest thought her strikingly ugly but she would perhaps have forgiven them for the sake of the implied admission that she was at least not commonplace for her costume consisting of an ample black cloak lined with white fur and a broad hat with red feather and underbrim of sea-green silk was of the sort affected by women who strenuously cultivate themselves and insist upon their individuality she was not at all like her father the grey-haired gentleman who scanning the memorial with eager watery eyes was uttering occasional ejaculations of wonder at the sum it must have cost the younger man who might have been thirty or thereabout was slight and of moderate stature his fine hair of a pale golden colour already turning to a silvery brown curled delicately over his temples where it was beginning to wear away a short beard set off his features which were those of a man of exceptional sensitiveness and refinement he was the londoner of the party and he waited with devoted patience whilst his companions satisfied their curiosity it was pleasant to watch them for he was not gloating over her nor she too conscious that she was making the sunshine brighter for him and yet they were quite evidently young lovers and as happy as people at their age know how to be at last the old gentleman's appetite for the memorial yielded to the fatigue of standing on the stone steps and looking upwards he proposed that they should find a seat and examine the edifice from a little distance i think i see a bench down there with only one person on it mary he said as they descended the steps at the west side can you see whether he is respectable the young lady who was short-sighted placed a pair of glasses on her salient nose lifted her chin and deliberately examined the person on the bench he was a short thick-chested young man in an old creased frock-coat with a worn-out hat and no linen visible his skin pitted by smallpox seemed grained with black as though he had been lately in a coal-mine and had not yet succeeded in toweling the coal-dust from his pores he sat with his arms folded staring at the ground before him one hand was concealed under his arm the other displayed itself thick in the palm with short fingers and nails bitten to the quick he was clean-shaven and had a rugged resolute mouth a short nose marked nostrils dark eyes and black hair which curled over his low broad forehead he is certainly not a handsome man said the lady but he will do us no harm i suppose of course not said the younger gentleman seriously but i can get some chairs if you prefer them nonsense i was only joking as she spoke the man on the bench looked up at her 
and the moment she saw his eyes she began to stand in some awe of him his vague stare changed to a keen scrutiny which she returned heartily then he looked for a moment at her dress glanced at her companions and relapsed into his former attitude the bench accommodated four persons easily the old gentleman sat at the unoccupied end next his daughter their friend placed himself between her and the man at whom she presently stole another look his attention was again aroused this time he was looking at a child who was eating an apple near him his expression gave the lady an uncomfortable sensation the child too caught sight of him and stopped eating to regard him mistrustfully he smiled with grim good humour and turned his eyes to the gravel once more it is certainly a magnificent piece of work herbert said the old gentleman to you as an artist it must be a treat indeed i don't know enough about art to appreciate it properly bless us and are all those knobs made of precious stones more or less precious yes i believe so mr sutherland said herbert smiling i must come and look at it again said mr sutherland turning from the memorial and putting his spectacles on the bench beside him it is quite a study i wish i had this business of charlie's off my mind you will find a tutor for him without any difficulty said herbert there are hundreds to choose from in london yes but if there were a thousand charlie would find a new objection to every one of them you see the difficulty is the music herbert incommoded by a sudden movement of the strange man got a little nearer to mary and replied i do not think the music ought to present much difficulty many young men qualifying for holy orders are very glad to obtain private tutorships and nowadays a clergyman is expected to have some knowledge of music yes said the lady but what is the use of that when charlie expressly objects to clergymen i sympathize with him there for once divinity students are too narrow and dogmatic to be comfortable to live with there exclaimed mr sutherland suddenly indignant you are beginning to make objections do you expect to get an angel from heaven to teach charlie no papa but i doubt if anything less will satisfy him i will speak to some of my friends about it said herbert there is no hurry for a week or two i suppose oh no none whatever said mr sutherland ostentatiously serene after his outbreak there is no hurry certainly but charlie must not be allowed to contract habits of idleness and if the matter cannot be settled to his liking i shall exert my authority and select a tutor myself i cannot understand his objection to the man we saw at archdeacon downs can you mary i can understand that charlie is too lazy to work said mary then as if tired of the subject she turned to herbert and said you have not yet told us when we may come to your studio and see the lady of shalott i am very anxious to see it i shall not mind its being unfinished but i shall said herbert suddenly becoming self-conscious and nervous i fear the picture will disappoint you in any case but at least i wish it to be as good as i can make it before you see it i must ask you to wait until thursday certainly if you like said mary earnestly she was about to add something when mr sutherland who had become somewhat restive when the conversation turned upon pictures declared that he had sat long enough so they rose to go and mary turned to get a last glimpse of the man he was looking at them with a troubled expression and his lips were white she thought he was about to speak and involuntarily retreated a step but he said nothing only she was struck as he composed himself in his old attitude by his extreme dejection did you notice that man sitting next to you she whispered to herbert when they had gone a little distance not particularly do you think he is very poor 
he certainly does not appear to be very rich said herbert looking back i saw a very odd look in his eyes i hope he is not hungry they stopped then herbert walked slowly on i should think not so bad as that he said i don't think his appearance would justify me in offering him oh dear dear me said mr sutherland i am very stupid what is the matter now papa i have lost my glasses i must have left them on that seat just wait one moment whilst i go back for them no no herbert i will go back myself i recollect exactly where i laid them down i shall be back in a moment papa always takes the most exact notes of the places in which he puts things and he always leaves them behind him after all said mary there is that man in precisely the same position as when we first saw him no he is saying something to your father begging i am afraid or he would not stand up and lift his hat how dreadful herbert laughed if as you suspected he is hungry there is nothing very dreadful in it poor fellow it is natural enough i did not mean that i meant that it was dreadful to think of his being forced to beg papa has not given him anything i wish he would he evidently wants to get rid of him and of course does not know how to do it let us go back if you wish said herbert reluctantly but i warn you that london is full of begging impostors meanwhile mr sutherland finding his spectacles where he had left them took them up wiped them with his handkerchief and was turning away when he found himself confronted by the strange man who had risen sir said the man raising his shabby hat and speaking in a subdued voice of remarkable power i have been a tutor and i am a musician i can convince you that i am an honest and respectable man i am in need of employment something i overheard just now leads me to hope that you can assist me i will here the man though apparently self-possessed stopped as if his breath had failed him mr sutherland's first impulse was to tell the stranger stiffly that he had no occasion for his services but as there were no bystanders and the man's gaze was impressive he became nervous and said hastily oh thank you i have not decided what i shall do as yet and he attempted to pass on the man immediately stepped aside saying if you will favour me with your address sir i can send you testimonials which will prove that i have a right to seek such a place as you describe if they do not satisfy you i shall trouble you no further or if you will be so good as to accept my card you can consider at your leisure whether to communicate with me or not certainly i will take your card said mr sutherland flurried and conciliatory thank you i can write to you you know if i i am much obliged to you here he produced an ordinary visiting card with the name mr owen jack engraved and an address at church street kensington written in a crabbed but distinct hand in the corner whilst mr sutherland was pretending to read it his daughter came up purse in hand hurrying before herbert whose charity she wished to forestall mr owen jack looked at her and she hid her purse quickly i am sorry to have delayed you sir he said good morning he raised his hat again and walked away good morning sir said mr sutherland lord bless me that's a cool fellow he added recovering himself and beginning to feel ashamed of having been so courteous to a poorly dressed stranger what did he want papa indeed my dear he has shown me that we cannot be too careful of how we talk before strangers in london by the purest accident the merest chance i happened whilst we were sitting here five minutes ago to mention that we wanted a tutor for charlie this man was listening to us and now he has offered himself for the place just fancy the quickness of that here is his card owen jack said mary what a name did he overhear anything about the musical difficulty said herbert 
nature does not seem to have formed mr jack for the pursuit of a fine art yes he caught up even that according to his own account he understands music in fact he can do everything mary looked thoughtful after all she said slowly he might suit us he is certainly not handsome but he does not seem stupid and he would probably not want a large salary i think archdeacon downes's man's terms are perfectly ridiculous i am afraid it would be rather a dangerous experiment to give a responsible post to an individual whom we have chanced upon in a public park said herbert oh out of the question said mr sutherland i only took his card as the shortest way of getting rid of him perhaps i was wrong to do even that of course we should have to make inquiries said mary somehow i cannot get it out of my head that he is in very bad circumstances he might be a gentleman he does not look common i agree with you so far said herbert and i am not sorry that such models are scarce but of course you are quite right in desiring to assist this man if he is unfortunate engaging a tutor is a very commonplace affair said mary but we may as well do some good by it if we can archdeacon downes's man is in no immediate want of a situation he has dozens of offers to choose from why not give the place to whoever is in the greatest need of it very well cried mr sutherland send after him and bring him home at once in a carriage and pair since you have made up your mind not to hear to reason on the subject after all interposed herbert it will do no harm to make a few inquiries if you will allow me i will take the matter in hand so as to prevent all possibility of his calling on or disturbing you give me his card i will write to him for his testimonials and references and so forth and if anything comes of it i can then hand him over to you mary looked gratefully at him and said do papa let mr herbert write it cannot possibly do any harm and it will be no trouble to you i do not object to the trouble said mr sutherland i have taken the trouble of coming up to london all the way from windsor already solely for charlie's sake however herbert perhaps you could manage the affair better than i in fact i should prefer to remain in the background but then your time is valuable it will cost me only a few minutes to write the necessary letters minutes that would be no better spent in any case i assure you it will be practically no trouble to me there papa now we have settled that point let us go on to the national gallery i wish we were going to your studio instead you must not ask for that yet said herbert earnestly i promise you a special private view of the lady of shalott on thursday next at latest end of chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine